Good morning. Turn with me in your Bibles to John chapter 15 as we continue our, our journey through this wonderful gospel. As you turn there, I want to remind you uh, about the connection card uh, that's on our bulletin. And that's a way, if you're a guest, for you to let us know that you are here. We'd love to send you kind of a free gift to know, let you know how much we appreciate you being here. And if you could just fill that out, uh, tear it off and put the offering plate later. Uh, as that comes by at the end of the service, that would be great. And also, it's a way for anyone uh, to let the pastors know about maybe a prayer need or something going on in your life that, that you would like for us to pray about or follow up with this week. It's a great means of communication uh, to us as your pastors. We see here in John 15, Christ is continuing his long dialogue of uh, talking to the disciples uh, as he's about to leave. And he's wanting to offer them some challenging but very encouraging words that they can take to heart uh, in this moment of uncertainty as he is about to go to the cross. So here's what he says in, in verse 9. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command you. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends, for all that I have heard from my Father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit, that your fruit should abide, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, He may give it to you. These things I command you, so that you will love one another. He calls us friends. He calls us friends. Uh, Me and uh, my kids, my older kids, we have a show we love to watch that comes out during the summer. And it's a show called Alone. And it's a pretty simple premise. They take ten people, okay? Uh, not your average people, kind of ten survivalists. Uh, people that are used to being outdoors. And they throw them by themselves out into the middle of nowhere with a few items for survival. And it's basically, they give them a satellite phone and says, when you're done, call us. We'll come get you. And the last person out there gets half a million dollars. So that's the principle of the show. You just get out there, you figure out how to make it. Figure out how to eat, you figure out how to build a shelter. And it's amazing to see after a couple of months, and even before it gets that long, it's not, it's not really just about the food. It's not about the shelter. It's about the psychological struggle, even with these people that are kind of used to it, 
being out there with no one, to be alone without a friend with them. And it just the psychological toil it begins to take on them. There's no cameramen, by the way. There's no one. They're videoing themselves. We see in uh, the great popular movie, It's a Wonderful Life, at the end of the movie, George discovers that because of his generous life, he finds that he has lots of friends, friends that are willing to come through for him in that desperate moment of needing that money. And the movie ends with that famous quote, Dear George, remember, no man is a failure who has friends. It is truly a blessed thing to have friends. To, to have people that you share your life with. People to come beside you. When you have a burden that you need to carry or come alongside you to share in your joys. While many friends are great, life really comes down to your relationship with one person. And that person is Jesus Christ. The most important question is, does Christ call you a friend? We see in our text this morning, as Jesus continues to comfort His disciples, that He calls them His friends. He wants them to know that they're His friends. In the same way, He calls us friends, of course, as well. This morning, we want to talk about what it means to be called a friend of Christ. Those who Christ calls friends, they, first of all, abide in His love. And they also share His love. And they multiply His love. So first, we want to see that those who Christ calls friends abide in His special love. He says here, As the Father has loved Me, so have I loved you. Abide in My love. We cannot even begin to grasp the depths of this verse. There is no perf- more perfect or passionate love in the universe than the Father's love for His Son. This love of the Father and the Son, it precedes everything. It precedes the dirt under our feet. It precedes the stars in the night sky. Jesus will pray in a couple of chapters from now, in John 17, 24, Father, I desire that they also whom You have given Me may be with Me where I am to see my glory that you have given me because you have loved me before the foundation of the world. This love for the Father towards the Son is the basis of everything that is good and right in the universe. This, this love is the, very, is, is the very heart of the nature of God. You ever thought about why does God exist as Trinity? Why is there a Father? Why is there a Son? Why is there a Spirit? It's because God is a relational God. God is a God who loves. And if He were not Trinity, He would be dependent on something else outside of Himself to love. But because He exists as Father, Son, and the Spirit, 
he within himself is able to share in love and joy and the, the the father loves the son and the son loves the spirit and they love one another in this perfect amazing love and that is what overflows into their love for us he's able because he is trinity to display his perfect magnificent eternal love but then here's what should blow our minds jesus says here that he loves us with the same love as the father has loved me so i have loved you no doubt many in this many people entered this room this morning and you feel like a contestant on a loan. Yeah, you have a lot of people in your life, but, but you feel alone. You feel unloved. We live in an age of social media where we're constantly connected to others. And yet, surveys show that we live in a time where people feel more alone than ever. Can I tell you that if you are in Christ this morning, nothing can be further from the truth being alone. You are loved by Christ with the same love the Father loves the Son. You are loved with a perfect, amazing love. But you say, but you don't understand what my week's been like. To be honest, I didn't crack my Bible outside of Sunday. I I barely even prayed. And there's been a couple things that I've done this week that if you knew what I'd done, you wouldn't be saying that I'm loved by God. I can't be loved by God. And I'm here to tell you this morning, you're actually probably worse than you think you are. There's probably things you've done this week that were an affront to God that you can't even remember. And yet, you, have, you are loved by the perfect love of God. Take heart, Christian. You are worse off than you think you are, and yet you are loved more than you can possibly imagine. Abide in His love. Dwell in it. Preach it to yourself. Remind yourself constantly that you are loved with this love. So does this mean that, hey, I'm loved by Christ, therefore, I can do what I want to. If I'm loved perfectly, and that there's no end to this love, then I can just go out and I can sin. I don't have to obey Him. I can go do my own thing, then get heaven at the end. I'm here to tell you this morning that that is never, ever the heart of someone under the love of Christ. Abiding in Christ's love is marked by obedience. It says here in verse 10, If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in His 
love. Christ has not united Himself in love with those who would reject obedience. True faith that places us in the love of Christ will always be accompanied by preceded by obedience. Or the obedience will come after, I should say rather. While the obedience we give to Christ is not the reason He loves us, it is indeed an effect of His love. Those united in Christ do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Now, does that mean that we're going to be perfectly obedient? We're going to be perfectly obedient? I mean, we can look at Romans 7 and see even Paul was in all of his grace and all of God's mercy to him, all of his wisdom, he struggled. He struggled to be perfectly obedient. Our salvation calls for a perfection that is beyond our capacity. We must be holy as God is holy. And if abiding uh, in His love is based on our own effort to muster up that holiness, we're in trouble. We can never achieve that level of holiness. That is why our hope will always rest on Christ keeping the law for us. The Christian that the most obedient Christian, whoever that is, that has ever lived, will still stand before God justified according to Christ's works and not His own. So we're never going to achieve perfection on this earth. It's not going to happen. We will fail. And it's not even a constant obedience. It should be. It's what we should strive for. But when we look for proof of our obedience, don't don't pick a snapshot of your worst day as a Christian. Because I guarantee you, everyone in here, if you took a snapshot of our worst day as a Christian, we would look very, very unsaved. We would definitely look like we are not someone that abides in the love of Christ. But when you look at the film strip of your life, the ups and the downs, those highs and lows, is there obedience? Is there a fight for obedience in your life? Though, though not perfect 100% of the time, a, a fight, a battle, a battle to obey the words of Christ. That's that's what we hope for, right? When we look at our lives, yeah, I, I try. I make a lot of, I fight daily to obey the words of Christ. I feel the conviction of His Spirit in me. Man, if you feel those things, then there's much hope you should have that you abide in the love of God. While we should certainly pursue obedience and draw some confidence in His presence in us, Jesus' words here, are not meant to cause His disciples or us to descend into a fearful self-examination, but rather to draw them and us to joy. We abide in a joyful love. Look at verse 11. These things I have spoken to you 
that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. So these words are not meant to to scare. They're really meant to give the disciples confidence. It is Christ's joy here that's given to us. These things I've spoken to you that that my, my joy, my joy, Okay, the, the joy of Christ is a joy that is unlike the world's joy. The, world, the, the worldly joy is something that, man, it comes and goes depending on the day, depending on the circumstances. But, but there's a joy in Christ that is unmoved by circumstance. And He gives that joy to us. He puts it in us. It, it, and then He says uh, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full, that, that it, it becomes your joy. It's, it's given in us and it becomes our very own joy that He gives to us. Just like we are brought into God's shared love, we are brought into God's shared joy as well. Folks, let us, let us pursue joy in Christ. Folks, we as Christians that are abiding in in this kind of love, that get up every day being able to know that we are loved by the Creator of the universe the same way He loves His Son. Folks, if that doesn't bring joy and and an indestructible joy, something is wrong. We need to fight for joy. We need to be the happiest people on the planet. So those that Christ calls are friends or those that abide in His special love, but that is not all. It is a love that is to be shared. Those that Christ calls friends, they share His love. This is is the way He says in verse 12, this is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no man than this, that someone laid down his life for his friends. It's a love that is shared, and then it's meant to continue to be shared. I mean, we notice what happens, right? The the Father loves the Son. And that love for the Son is not meant to be terminated on the Son. The Son, in in obedience to the Father, what He does is He takes that love and then He gives it to His people. He gives it, gave it to His disciples. He gives it to all those who put their faith in Christ. But again, that is not, again, a love that's not meant to be terminated on us. It's then meant for us to go into a world and to love others with that same kind of love. Who are we to share this love with? Who are we to take this love that we receive for Christ and then disperse it? Who are, who's to receive that love? Well, here in this verse, John says, Christ said we are to love one another. And John loves this phrase. Throughout his gospel, throughout his epistle, this one another is a reference to Christians. It's our brothers and sisters in Christ. We are to have a special enduring amazing love for one another the people that are sitting around you right now are people you should love 
We share Christ in common. And that should bring us together. But it's clear from Scripture, it's clear from the teachings of Christ that our love is not just meant for those who sit with us on Sunday, but it's meant for all people. We're told that to love our neighbors, and when Jesus is asked to define the, la- the, the, the neighbors, who our neighbors are, he uses a story about a good Samaritan which essentially says, even your worst enemy is your neighbor. Love your neighbor Love everybody from your best friend down to your worst enemy, everyone in between. You are to show them love. There's no sinner on the earth that should be below the loving kindness of a Christian. So what do we do when we come in contact with an avid atheist who hates everything about Christianity? Who despises Christ? We treat them with kindness as an image bearer of God. What do we do when we come in contact with those who reject a biblical sexual ethic? What do we do when we go to soccer and that non-traditional family is there together? Do we run the other way? Do we ignore them and treat them with disgust? Of course not. We treat them with the kindness of the image bearer of God like we do everyone else. We should be a people that are friendly. Christians should be, the friend, again, the friendliest people on the planet. The world thinks that disagreement equals hate, while the Bible tells us that we can and should love our enemies. The Bible says that we can absolutely love people without getting on board with their agenda. The world says you can't love someone unless you're on board with their agenda. The Bible says, no, you love your enemies. You can absolutely, with loving kindness and loving actions, show love to those when you're not on board with their agenda. And you'll never be on board with their agenda. We do not have to affirm sin to show kindness, to to meet needs of others, to to do good to others. We're to share our love with everyone. Starting in our family at this church and then going out into all the world to the worst enemy that we can think of. How? Okay, that's who. We're to love. How are we to love? We're to love, Jesus says clearly here, is as I have loved you. His exact words. Love as I have loved you. How did Jesus show his love? By laying down his life. He says that in verse 13. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. So Jesus, what he's doing here is he's simultaneously kind of saying, hey, To love others, what you do is you lay down your life for them. That's what you do. But he's also, of course, also in this moment pointing to the cross. Because that's exactly what he's about to do. Literally. Laying down his life for his friends. Verse 
Folks, we, we live in a society of people that, man, we're so inward focused. Again, even our social media is set up in a way for us to go after those likes on our pictures. To go for those comments. How many people are commenting on what I post? And I want to see what people think of me. Not like never, it's like never before. We, we live in this comparison culture. I've just, I've seen it with moms especially of just how do I compare to other moms, am I doing as good as them? How are my kids doing compared to other kids? Am I giving them enough? Am I putting them in enough activities? How do they measure up? And, and we live in a world where there's just so much depression because we're doing what we weren't made to do. We're focusing in on self. But Jesus said that if you want to know true joy, you have to lay your life down. You have to give yourself away to other people. Can I challenge you this morning to get out of yourself this week? Get out of your own mind and do something amazing for someone else. Take your family and inconvenience yourself for someone else. Lay down your life for your friends. I would encourage you, um, about a, almost exactly a month from now, we'll be starting connection groups back up. Um, I'll be honest, it's been great this summer. To come to church on Sunday morning as a family and then just to go home and just be together as a family. It's been good for our family. But man, let's not stay there. Let's, as another term of connection groups come where we're in each other's homes, sharing meals together, sharing our prayer needs with one another, letting each other know what's going on in our lives. Let us come outside of ourselves. One of the ways we do that as a church is connection groups, just being with each other, sharing life with one another. So I encourage you as we will be doing the sign-up over the next month that you think about, especially if you've never been a part, to, to join a connection group where, where you can kind of get outside of yourself, where you can see what other people need. You can meet the needs of others. So we're told to, as the friends of Christ, to abide in His love. We're told to share His love. And finally, He tells us to multiply His love. It says in verse 16, You did not choose Me, but I chose you and appointed you so that, you, that whatever you ask the Father in My name, He may give to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. We are chosen by Christ in grace. You see, 
There's a temptation in the Gospel that if you don't understand it correctly, the disciples could, could think, man, aren't we awesome? Man, to have found a way to have our sins forgiven, to have found Christ, to find this secret to life. Aren't we so much smarter than everyone else? Aren't we better than everyone else? Because we have found Christ. And Jesus wants to let them know, listen, you did not choose me. I chose you. You're here in this room. He was talking, or uh, I'm sorry, they had already proceeded to the garden. You're here with me because I chose you to be here with me. Not because you're good, not because you're smarter. We know the disciples were not smarter than most people of the day. But because of grace, because of grace. But he wants to let them know that he hasn't chosen them so they can just enjoy being chosen. Uh, that they could be the frozen chosen, right? Man, isn't it great? Isn't it great that he chose us? So now we can just kick back, we can just abide in his love and just enjoy all the blessings of God and just, man, just enjoy life. Just be us and do our thing. He says that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. What most scholars agree on in this verse is that it's, it's changed a little bit from the fruit that were, was previously talked about in chapter 15. What Jesus is likely referencing here is their ministry is that he is sending them out to bear fruit of converts, of people. This is the fruit that, that they are going to go, that he has chosen. He's chosen them, not for them to set on their laurels, but to, to go out and to multiply, to make more converts, to make more disciples. This is why they had been chosen for ministry. Go out into a world of people that are lost and give them the gospel and proclaim the gospel and multiply themselves. Folks, let us be those who share the gospel. Let us be those who, when you look at our lives, that there are people in our lives that are the fruit, that are converts, that are in Christ because of our lives, because we shared with them the truth of the gospel. And we're also chosen for missional, missional prayer. It says, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, He may give it to you. This is not in reference to a Lamborghini. This is in reference to going out there on mission and proclaiming the gospel. If you go out and, and you, 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 you tell others, then pray, ask God, beg Him, 
Save this person that I'm talking to. Save my friend. Save my family member. Please, they're so wicked. They so don't want you, God. But God, I know that just as as you chose me as a wicked person, God, you could choose them. And so we pray, we equip our ministry with prayer that this is what, these are the prayers that God, I believe God longs for the most. And again, he goes right back, he says in verse 17, these things I command you so you will love one another. Folks, our mission, our desire to multiply and to see other people come to Christ, this is love. This is loving one another. So, folks, we have the amazing benefit, those of us who are in Christ, those of us who He calls friends, We have the amazing benefit of of existing and abiding in the love of God. The same love that the Father has for the Son has been given to us. Y'all, that should blow our absolute minds. Blow our minds. But we were given that love to share it with others so we should go into a world and be friendly. Go out into a world and, and, and show love and kindness in a world that everyone seems mad at each other. Oh, let us stand out as those who, yes, we stand for truth. Absolutely. We do not back down from what the Bible declares. But we will be kind. We will show love. We'll share that love. And then also we will multiply that love. We will proclaim that gospel. We will proclaim that gospel. We will go and and make friends in the world and love people in the world, but then we will also give them the gospel, proclaim the gospel to them that they might be converts so that they might be called friends of Christ. I hope, I hope you're moved by these amazing, wonderful, glorious promises and challenges in God's Word this morning. I ask you to please stand as our musicians come. Just ask you to maybe, if you want to come down front and pray, just respond to, to God's Word however He's placed on your heart this morning to pray respond let's pray dear heavenly father god we thank you for your love for your son and that your son has given that love to us god help us not to feel alone help us to just abide in that wonderful amazing love and god help us to share that love help us to be a friendly people because you are our friend. You've called us your friend. God, help us to, to see that friendship that 
that you've brought us in, God, multiply to others that God, it might be a love that's multiplied as more and more converts come to know you and come to know that friendship. God, help us not to be a frozen chosen. Help us to be people that realize that we're chosen to be fruitful. We're chosen for ministry. God, move in our hearts this morning.